taking my thoughts from the book of Genesis chapter 8 and we are in the season of lockdowns and so it is imperative that we learn some lessons that we open our ears our hearts our eyes to what God is trying to show us Genesis chapter 8 verse number 4 to verse number 12 and if you have your Bibles there where you are let's read it together if you are if you're at home, why don't you stand to your feet and let's read God's word together. The Bible says, And the ark rested in the seventh month, the seventeenth day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. And so it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her, and drew her into the ark to himself. And he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent the dove out of the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And no one knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days, and sent out the dove, which this time did not return again to him no more. Amen. I want to talk to you on, from the thoughts of this title, The Raven and the Dove. The Raven and the Dove. Praise God. Let us pray one more time. Let's ask God to help us, to speak to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord that you are a good God, that you are the good shepherd, the good father. And Lord, today we're asking that you would speak to our hearts as you would minister to every need of everyone that is listening to this, whether it be financial, emotional, physical, and certainly spiritual. God, that you would speak to us and minister in such a powerful way. Anoint your people once again today. Anoint your servant let us receive from you your word with God that it may nourish our souls, that it may encourage our hearts, that it may bring conviction, and it may bring correction. Lord, whatever our circumstances, let your word have its perfect work in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. We so dearly miss everybody. And again, I just want to commend and greet all of our leaders, ministers, uh, musicians, tech people, everybody that's during the week making it possible for us to connect together. Amen. Uh, this is one of those stories uh, that is perhaps one of the very first uh, lockdown stories in the Bible. We're, we're in a series now. 
uh, Noah, his wife, and their three sons and their wives were confined to an ark. God, of course, uh, was bringing judgment upon the earth because the earth was so wicked. It was, the Bible says, only wickedness was on the earth continually. It, it was to the point where mankind was beyond reform. It was, he was beyond change. And, and only God knows that. Only God understands and sees uh, the, the limitations of mankind. And only God had the right to pronounce judgment upon the earth because they were beyond change, beyond repentance. They had gotten to the stage, perhaps, of what the New Testament calls the reprobate mind. And, and brothers and sisters, this shows to us that as gracious as God is, that God will not always strive with man. That there comes a point, there will be a time when God's grace will, as it were, run out uh, because of God being able to fulfill or to complete the fullness of his time to bring all things into its proper place. And so God brought a catastrophic flood, but the Bible says that Noah found grace in the sight of God. Grace is not a New Testament concept, but it is a concept that we see all the way in the book of Genesis where this man found grace. And because God was giving Noah grace, he gave to him the plan of salvation. He gave to him the instructions by which uh, he could find salvation. Grace did not mean that Noah didn't need to do anything. Grace meant that Noah was given the insight to do the right thing. Amen. And can I tell you that uh, the salvation in the New Testament is first and foremost by the grace of God. But just because God gives us grace, it does not mean we do nothing. We have to respond and be obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you are listening to this and you don't know what it means to be saved, if you don't know what it means to be right with God, you've never been born again, you've never been saved, well, here is the grace of God reaching out to you. His grace tells you, tells all humanity for us to repent in order for us to be saved and then to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And it also says for us that we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to be born again of water and of spirit. And if you've never experienced that, you've never done that, we would want to help you today as we uh, begin, to, as we conclude this, this message and we'll be praying together. And if you've never been baptized, well, we can organize for you to get baptized to wash away your sins so that you can be born again. In fact, we have several people who are already signing up to be baptized. We're, we're waiting for, for us to be able to get together and, and be able to do this as soon as possible. But uh, the grace of God allows us to respond uh, to the, the gospel of Christ uh, where we can be saved. Amen. And so uh, the story goes, of course, in this great uh, flood story that, that seems to be a part of every, every narrative in, in ancient uh, civilizations, uh, that there is some kind of a, a flood narrative. In, this, in the story of the Bible, we read that God... 
Noah to create this ark for his, his saving and, they, and that he would put the animals in there to save them because the, flood, the earth was going to be flooded. And so he is in this ark. And, and, and of course, for most people, we, they think that the Noah's ark, uh, that he was in the ark for 40 days and 40 nights as it rained nonstop. But careful reading of the biblical account reveals that they had to remain in the ark, not for 40 days or even 40 weeks, but it was over 52 weeks. Noah and his wife and their three sons and the three sons' wives, they were in the ark, not for three days or three weeks, three months, but for an entire year. They were locked down. They were confined into this, this wooden box, this wooden ark, if you will, a boat, a giant boat, although it wasn't designed for sailing. Uh, but it was designed to be able to withstand the floods and the storms and the rain. And when the fountain of the deeps broke up, and they were confined in that structure that would save them for about a year. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to be careful in not comparing what our world is going through with the flood of the ark, because that was to the utter destruction of the world, that even the highest peaks were underwater. This is certainly what we're experiencing today with the pandemic is certainly not that. But, but I can relate to the fact of being constrained. I can see that in Scripture that as he was in there, and of course, they would have been very relieved to be in the ark. I, uh, they would have rather been in there than to being outside of the ark. But if it was, the Bible says it was raining for 40 days and for 40 nights, and, and as much as it is safe inside, I'm sure after about the 30th day that the sound of the rain hitting against the, the timber structure of ceiling of walls, would have gotten really old at some point. Amen. I, I don't know about you, but uh, if, uh, you know, if I had that knowledge of building the ark and, uh, you know, knowing that I was going to be in that structure for a long period of time, I would have, I don't know, put some things in the ark. I would have built some things in there. I don't know. I would have maybe built a pool table, a, a table tennis, uh, maybe some slides, I don't know, a little wooden gymnasium uh, to, to keep me going, to keep me occupied for those years. But being in that ark for that long certainly would have gotten quite old. Not to mention, even as big as it was, yet it would have been, it, was, it would have been quite confining because of all the animals that he had to put in the ark. And uh, that, that, again, at some point, the smell would have gotten quite old. And, and so for 12 months, living in that place, as large as it was, it would have been, uh, after a while, something that would have been uh, quite difficult to withstand. But of course, again, it, it's better to be in the ark than outside of it. Because being outside of it meant that you would perish. But being inside the ark meant salvation. And the Bible tells us, in the text that we read from the beginning of that verse, it says, in the seventh month, the ark rested and stopped upon the top of Ararat. Mount Ararat was the tallest mountain range in the known world at the time. And certainly in biblical times, Ararat was known as the highest peak. And as the waters began to recede, the Bible says, that's where the ark rested. 
I'd like to make a simple inference today to simply say that no matter what happens, the church, when all of this is said and done, the church is always going to come out on top. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. And I'm not trying to be some doomsday preacher, but can I tell you the Bible is a doomsday book. It tells us that there is coming a reckoning. It tells us there's coming a shaking upon this world, that there's going to be a, a day of judgment that will come. But I want you to know that no matter what happens in this world, the church will always survive. It will always thrive. It will always rise to the surface that whatever challenges we may face, whatever circumstances may come, come at the hour, can I tell you cometh the church amen 2,000 years have come have gone and and there have been wars and there have been pestilences and earthquakes and natural disasters there have been persecutions against the church they were thrown into lions they were burned at the stake they were attacked they were mocked and all of these things have happened over the last 2,000 years but I want you to know brothers and sisters that when the waters begin to recede when all of this is said and done the church will be on top it will be triumphant amen that's why jesus said heaven the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living god no matter what happens i've come to encourage you today to stay in the ark stay in the boat continue to be a part of the kingdom of god no matter what happens we will come and we will rise to the top because this is god's bride this is God's church. It is God's people. And no matter what, we will rise on that day and we will be victorious. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. That's why it rested on the mountain of Ararat, the highest peak of the known world at the time. I want you to know it's because the church, this is where God will have us. We will be standing. You don't have to fear. You don't have to fret. You don't have to listen to all of these voices. You got to turn off YouTube sometime and continue to look into your Bible and continue to trust that the hand of God is upon us. Us. Oh, he will not leave us nor forsake us, but he has ordered our steps for the steps of a good man and a good woman are ordered of the Lord. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. And so we, we come to this interesting part of the story that, that I've, I've never sort of touched on this whatsoever because I think that the comparison or the analogy to the raven and the dove could be so stretched. I've heard of so many far-fetched applications and comparisons to it, and so I want to be careful not to do that today. But when the ark finally rested, and it took him a year, a year to get out of that ark, but Noah needed to be careful to make sure that he didn't open the ark door prematurely. Because if he opened that door prematurely and let all the animals out and there was not enough space in the land for them to graze, uh, they could easily push each other out into the water and they could die. 
And what's interesting about this story is that when, before the, the rains came, before the flood came, that when Noah and his family entered into the ark, the Bible says it was God that closed, shut the door. It's as if God was sealing the door. But when it comes to opening the door to the ark, it wasn't God that was going to open it. It was Noah that had to open it. And what you got to understand sometimes is what, what God does for us at one stage in our life, sometimes we've got to learn to do for ourselves. God will not always do for us what he did for us in the past. What God did before, they had to learn to do something else differently, but knowing always that God was with them. And so he had to be very careful, and there was only one window that he created in that structure of the ark, and he opened that window, and he let out these two birds to go and see whether there was any land available for them. And so he lets out the raven first. And, and remember that there are no throwaway lines in Scripture. Every incident, every little detail is given to us for us to learn something and to receive something from God. And in this little story, he sends out the raven, and the Bible says that the raven... Uh, went to and fro, not necessarily coming back into the ark, but going to and fro until he found dry land. And so what, what the implication of that is, was that the, the raven was going back and forth between the ark, although not going back into the ark, but perhaps perching on top of the ark, going back and forth. And it's quite possible that because a raven is part of the, uh, uh, the genus Convus uh, bird, which is where you find the crows and even the magpies, they are known as omnivores. That means they eat all kinds of things, not, not just seeds and insects, but they also eat flesh. They are part of the carrion family, and they are also known to eat garbage. <laughs> uh, I used to live when I was young. We, we lived in, in, a, in Sri Lanka many years ago, and, and uh, I was just astounded the amount of crows that they had in that country all throughout the city. Of course, it's a beautiful country, but I remember that just everywhere I go, there's crows, particularly where there was rubbish. And, and it's quite possible that the raven didn't come back into the ark because it was feeding, perhaps, on things that were rotting from the flood, whether it's animals or maybe even humans. And so he gets the dove, and he sends out the dove. And, and, and here in this story, the dove tells us, uh, the Bible tells us that the dove came back uh, twice as he sent him out. The first time it came back, uh, it could find no lodging. It could find nowhere, uh, no, no dry land, because doves are known as, as, as clean animals. They were clean birds, and ravens were unclean birds. And the dove came back to Noah, and, and, and he would do this three times where he would send out the dove to try and find a place for it to rest. Amen. And here's, here's what I've come to tell you here today. That oftentimes, that, that when, we are in, in, when we are being constrained, when we are being restricted, when life gets a little difficult, then we have two responses Either we respond like the raven or we respond like the dove. To respond like the raven is the response of flesh. Because ravens are unclean animals. They are dirty animals, if you will. They eat dead things. 
they eat they're attracted to things that are dead and they will eat those things uh, that were are, are dirty and unclean whereas doves are are herbivores they generally eat nuts and seeds and are considered clean birds that they would be used even for the sacrifice in in the old testament law and so when you find yourself, uh, when you find yourself in a place of struggle, it's either you are going to respond like the raven, it's either you're going to be led by your flesh, or you're going to be led by your spirit. Amen. It, it, it's either you are walking in the spirit or you are walking in flesh. And can I tell you the flesh brings death. That even though the flesh uh, we can enjoy pleasures, the Bible says for a season, yet that flesh will bring to us nothing but death and misery and depression. Amen. And so often when we are under pressure and when we are under testing, uh, that we can respond only in those two ways through the flesh or through our spirit. I want to remind you today that through the flesh, it brings nothing but death. Galatians chapter 6, verse number number 8, the Bible says, For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And that's why he says, Paul tells us, reminds us in verse number 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. Can I tell you that sin may bring pleasure for a season, but it also brings death. That party may be fun. Uh, you can drown the cry of your spirit with entertainment uh, and substances and all of the amusements uh, that the flesh can indulge in. But if you hear me, mark my words, it brings nothing but emptiness and it immerses you further into darkness. Oh, can I tell you here today, the flesh will bring nothing but death and and misery and depression that's why you've got to make up your mind that I'm going to be a spiritual man that I'm going to be led by the spirit that I'm going to follow the leading of the spirit of God and if I've said it once I'll say it again that if you're going to live a best life it's got to be your best life spiritually your spiritual life cannot take a back seat amen to the rest of your life your walk with God it's not just some compartment it's not just some uh, some uh, assessment assortment that you have that you add to your life but can I tell you it's got to be first and foremost in your life when you put God first I promise you it will tend towards life that's what Jesus said he said the devil the Satan came to, to steal to kill and to destroy but I've come to give you life and I've come to give it more abundantly I want you to know that the life that God gives to us it's an abundance it's an overflowing life and the more you sow to the spirit the more you're gonna want the good things of God the more you live and, and discipline in your life towards the things of God, the more joy, the more peace, the more life you are going to experience from God. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. The raven is just about pleasing itself, just about satisfying. It's, it's a natural tendency for dead things. Here's what Romans chapter 13 tells us. Verse number 12, it says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. 
Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on, here it is, the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Hallelujah. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. When you enlist in the army of God, when you become a believer, a child of God, you are automatically enlisted into his army and you are engaged in a battle. And can I tell you the battle of the ages, this is a battle that you will have to fight until Jesus comes or until you die. But it will be a battle nevertheless that will be ongoing as part of your life is this constant struggle between the flesh, your flesh, and the spirit. Amen. And the more, and there's no Switzerland in, in Christianity. There's no neutral ground. Amen. There's, there's no static place. But either you're going to choose a flesh or your spirit. Either you're going to be dictated and led by the flesh or you're going to be led by the spirit of God. And I've come to tell you here today, you've got to follow the leading for as many as are led. The Bible says by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you are not being led by the Spirit. It could be you are not a child of God. It could be that, that God is not leading you, and so you are not a child of God. But if you are led by the Spirit of God, you are the son and the daughter of God. Amen. Praise God. And so here's the deal. The raven didn't bother coming back, but the dove came back to Noah. Where the flesh takes you, it will not give back to you. You might, you might enjoy for a few moments the pleasures of sin, but it will not come back to bring you what you need. But when you sow to the Spirit, the Spirit always gives a life. It always brings joy. It won't leave you with regrets. It will not leave you empty. It will not leave you with misery or depression, but it leaves you with life and life everlasting. He says, Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 15, he says, if you love me, he says, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him for he dwells in you and shall be in you. And Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. This is the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ that through his death on the cross, not only does that mean that our sins 
sins could be removed. But he gives to us a promise that was foreshadowed even in the time of Noah of the dove. The dove represents the Holy Spirit of God that he promises he will dwell in you. He's going to live in us. He's going to dwell in Almighty God, in the Spirit of God, which is none other than Jesus himself. For Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. This is the good news today that no matter where we are, whether we have a lockdown or not, we've got Jesus dwelling or living in the midst of us. If you've received the Holy Spirit, it's none other than the Spirit of Jesus Christ dwelling on the inside of us. And so no matter where we are, regardless of what's going on in the world, we've got the presence of Almighty God in us that we can follow, that we can look to the window, that we can look to him, that we can find his direction, that we can find his leading, his revelation, his joy, his peace. And here's what he promised. He said, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in what? In the Holy Ghost. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. We've got this joy. We've got this peace. It's found in the Spirit of God. There was only one window in that ark, and in that window, he chose to, to release two animals. One would not lead him, would not bring him anything, but one would lead him and direct him. No wonder the Holy Spirit was a signified, a symbolized, even in the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River as a dove that would come from heaven. I've come to tell you here today you've got the greatest thing that you need even in the midst of lockdown it's not your house it's not Netflix it's not your internet but you've got Jesus dwelling in your home and that's why this is now the hour this is now our season to get in the Holy Ghost Hallelujah, that we can find ourselves praying and seeking after the face of God. Uh, he, here's, here's the deal. So when he, he sent out the dove again the second time, the second time the dove came back, but this time it had something in its beak. It had an olive leaf in its beak. And, and if there's an olive leaf, that means there's, there's an olive branch. And if there's an olive branch, that means there is an olive tree. And if there's an olive tree, it means that there's olives on there. And what do we get from olives? We get oil. And the oil represents the Holy Spirit. It represents the anointing of God. And I've come to prophesy to the Pentecostals of Sydney that before we get out of the ark, before we get out of this lockdown, there's going to be an anointing that's going to flow through this church. There's going to be an anointing that's going to flow through the people of God. Oh, make sure when we are in this season that we don't get out unless we are anointed of God that the power of God will rest upon us not just on the preachers not just on the singers but every member of the child of God is anointed through the power of the Holy Spirit and it's the anointing oh that breaks the yoke Oh, praise the name of the Lord. 
I am persuaded. I'm not going to get out of this unless I get a fresh anointing from God. I guess unless I get, until I get a fresh touch of his power. And let me remind you, it's not our equipment. It's not our building. It's not our talent. For it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Glory to God. Just last week, one of our sisters, one of the new ladies, new young ladies in our church, Sister Daphne, started giving Bible studies to her family online back in New Zealand. She's teaching them Bible studies. From what she learned, she started teaching. And she's only new. She's only been in our church for just a little less than a year or so. But she started sharing the word of God to them. And last Sunday, they went to Pastor Russell's church in Auckland, New Zealand. Her father and her brothers were baptized in Jesus' name. Cannot tell you. Amen. Not, not even the water of water. Not even the Tasman Sea. Not even the lockdowns can stop the word of God. You don't have to know very much. But can I tell you, you can already be anointed. You can have the power of God using you and speaking through you and lives are going to be impacted. I'm telling you, oh, lock us down all you want to, but all we're building up is our prayers before heaven, is the anointing pouring out upon us. We're going to go out of this being anointed. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. I've got to come to a close. Hallelujah. I know we're all a little online weary now. I know we're on Zoom every day, some of us, some for work, for church, connect groups, and it's not the same, but it's still something. It's something good that we can see each other's faces and hear each other's voices. Praise God. And, and somehow, just like Noah, we've got this one little window. It's called the screen. The one screen. And some are, are being baptized in Netflix and Binging on season, I'm on season 14. <laughs> but listen to me. Make sure what comes through your window, what comes through the eye gates, is none other than the voice of God. I, I am convinced that God wants to speak to us every single day and use us just like he used this young lady. And then this week... All her family join in with her connect group here, online. I'm telling you folks, before this, before this is truth, there's going to be an anointing that's going to be poured out upon us to use us. That when you open up your mouth, I prophesy, when you open up your mouth, God's going to speak through you. As you, you engage in, in prayer, as you seek the face of God, like what we're doing with that prayer chain, Immerse yourself in the Spirit of God. Pray and be filled. Here's what, what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18. He says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. So don't, don't, don't satisfy the raven, the flesh, but be filled with the Spirit. When was the last time you were filled with the spirit to where it was overflowing you to where nothing else mattered god wants to refresh us here peter prophesied on that day he says in the last day saith god i will pour out of my spirit 
upon all flesh. Oh, don't you fret for one minute. Don't you fret. Don't you be afraid for one minute whether you're, you're getting vaccinated or not getting vaccinated. Let, don't, don't let that be a dividing issue in the church of the kingdom of God. But God says he's going to pour out his spirit whether you live to 120 years, praise God, or you only live a short life here on earth. Make sure that you receive the outpouring of the spirit of almighty God and that you are born again of water and of the spirit. Hallelujah. Wherever you are, as I come to a close, I want to encourage you to walk in the Spirit, Paul says, in Galatians 5 and 16. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Walk in the spirit that means to, to to have your life consumed and preoccupied with the spirit of god that means creating some habits of of the spirit in the spirit of prayer reading his word coming to the church when it opens connecting here online don't switch off but i believe that wherever you are the Spirit of God wants to baptize you afresh and anew. The third time that Noah sent out the dove, this time it didn't come back. In other words, come and follow me. You see, the more you walk in the Spirit of God, the more you need to walk by faith. When there are times that you can see him, there are times that you can't feel him even as it were. That you can't even sense the spirit of God. It's because God is leading you deeper. The dove was trying to send a message to Noah when he didn't come back. He says, come out where I am. Come out from where you are. I want you to know today that even if you feel like that God is not there, that you, you can't see the blessings of God, seems like things aren't working out, it only means that God is saying, keep following by faith. Keep walking by faith. Keep walking even when you can't see everything, even if you can't handle and you can't touch. And it, and it seems like he's so distant and far. Keep putting your foot one in front of the other and say, God, I'm going to trust even in the invisible, even when I can't see you. I know you're here. I, I, want to, I want you to know that wherever you are, he is there in your lounge room. He is there in your bedroom. He is wherever you call upon him. Hallelujah. Right now, we're going to talk to the Lord. Right now, we're going to lift up our voices in the name of Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, we're asking you right now that you would touch our hearts. Lord God, we've struggled. Some have had difficulties. Some have had pain in their bodies. Lord, others have gone through a trial. There are those perhaps who are, who are doing well and yet they're drifting and they seem to be following the rave and they seem to be following what their flesh wants to do as opposed to what your spirit is leading us to do. I pray today, Lord God, that we would fix our eyes upon you, that we would come to feel your presence and come to know and sense your Holy Spirit in not only in our rooms but dwelling within us. 
those that have received the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. God, we sense your presence and your spirit right here. And Lord, we reach out to you. And Lord, we trust. We're following. We're, 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 we're hearkening to your voice. We're listening to your voice. We're, we're feeling after your touch. And Lord God, we're trusting in your word right now. Lord, we repent, Lord God. We repent of the things of the flesh, the works of the flesh that will only bring destruction, that, that is all who are reserved for only the lake of fire, the works of the flesh, Lord God. We put that aside. And Lord, we receive the anointing of God. We receive your Holy Spirit right now. In the name of Jesus, we ask you to flow through us again like a mighty river of living water that flows out of our belly, out of our innermost being. Let the river flow unto everlasting life. Let your spirit have free course. I, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my will, my mind, my heart. I bring it all over into your hands to give you ownership. Lord God, let me put aside the works of the rave and the works of the flesh, whether it's it's fear, whether it's pride or arrogance, whether it's jealousy, whether it's the things uh, that, that are of the flesh, to Lord, surrendering to the leading and the guiding of your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, wherever you are, when we, as we sing this final song, I want you to make an altar in your home. I want you to pray for one another if you can. Reach out to your, to your wife, to your husband, to your children to your friends, to your brothers and sisters and begin to pray just with a song. Let's allow the Spirit of God space. Let's give Him room to find a place where He could lead us and guide us. Let's do that together today. Thank you. 